in a research paper entitled The Anatomy of a Large-Scale Hypertextual Web Search Engine of 1998 by Sergey Brin and Lawrence Page actually highlighted the creation of a new form of search engine. And the interesting part is, in the same paper, in a section, a section actually number uh, appendix A, section 8 of the same paper, entitled Advertising and uh, Mixed Motives, the two researchers actually highlighted how current search engines were biased because they were using an advertising-based business model. And yet, interesting enough, today most of the revenues of uh, what would later become Google are actually still coming from advertising. Therefore, one thing is very important to highlight right now. When you look at uh, something like Google, Google is not just a product or technology. It's actually a combination of a technology, which is a search engine that works at scale, together with an advertising machine that works at scale. The combination of a search engine and an advertising machine that works to enable hundreds of millions or billions of web pages to be indexed and ranked and then to enable millions of advertisers to actually serve their advertising on top of uh, this search engine is a business ecosystem. And that's what made actually Google scale up. So that's the key point where I want to start to highlight the difference between search engines and large language models. Let me explain. the key mistakes that uh, many people make today when they look at, uh, at Google. They look at Google and they say, uh, yes, I mean, interesting, but uh, when you look at something like ChatGPT, something like Google seems very obsolete. And they may be right from a technological standpoint. I had the, the same impression. But then as someone who actually studies the, uh, you know, the, the, the business world in a way, that uh, tries to combine technology, distribution, and monetization, of course, you do understand that uh, Google is way more than just a search engine. It's, combined, uh, it's combining like a search engine, an advertising machine, and an ecosystem that is made of developers, publishers, and advertisers. That's the whole you know, uh, ecosystem that goes around Google. And when you're a company that uh, has become you know, a, a trillion dollar company powering up a whole ecosystem, you do understand that there is way more to the technological side. And also, it's very important to highlight that one thing is actually to have a product that reaches a few million users. Another thing is to actually have a product that reaches billions of users. It might sound trivial, but in reality, that's a key aspect to understand. So two, three elements here. First of all is the difference between a prototype and a scaled product. 
and also the difference between you know a scale product that goes on a few millions users to actually a scale products that potentially can go on billions of users which is what google is today and without uh, an underlying infrastructure that uh, really enable google to reach the the so many people around the world and at the same time still makes sense from an economic standpoint meaning that each search that you actually perform through google is still profitable for for the company or at least like most of them you do understand that you know there is way more to the story of search engines so with that i would like to highlight now the difference between search engines and large language models like ChatGPT. Of course, a search engine is uh, something that uh, came about already in the uh, mid-90s uh, mid as uh, you know, uh, the browser market had uh, been consolidated, uh, consolidating and uh, as I explained in some of my previous interviews on the Digital Business Models podcast and on For Week MBA, actually the history of the browser uh, wars is quite interesting because at a certain point as uh, uh, you know, the, the, the browser wars consolidated and uh, there was really a war between like Microsoft who understood by the mid 90s that uh, the browser market was a market to actually make sure it could dominate uh, in order to be relevant as a tech company going forward. There was, of course, uh, this sort of um, uh, war between like Microsoft and uh, Netscape, which uh, had become the hottest uh, you know, um, browser in the market. The story is quite interesting. You find it also in uh, another uh, other few interviews that uh, I did on in the same podcast, but uh, podcast series. But the thing is, right now, is to understand that uh, at a certain point in the mid '90s, as the web was growing very very fast and it became very easy and frictionless to navigate the, the web through uh, browsers like uh, Netscape uh, or uh, you know uh, Internet Explorer. Mozilla and all the other um, you know, browsers that uh, uh, dominated the market at the time, then search engines became extremely viable. In that landscape, a search engine would uh, come about uh, by the end of the 90s, uh, first uh, as a, a research project, a project which was called uh, Backrub, and uh, later on it would be called Google and it would become like uh, an LLC, LLC sorry, uh, by the end of the, the 90s, and that was Google. Now, the interesting part here, Google was not the first entrant in the market, actually it was quite a latecomer. Uh, it was probably the you know, 11th or 12th uh, search engine on the market, or even um, you know, later than that. But anyhow, the, the key point there is that uh, Google really uh, innovated because its search results were way better uh, from compared to what other alternatives that were on the market. So from a product and technological standpoint, Google was like really a turning point. It was a breakthrough product, just like, you know, today ChatGPT, it was a breakthrough product. At the time, Google was a breakthrough product because it was many times over better compared to existing alternatives on the market. And then on the other side, uh, Google used a new kind of technology from um, uh, the the, the ranking standpoint because it introduced the, the page rank algorithm that uh, would enable Google to actually use uh, you know a sort of a mechanism that where it could rank the the growing amount of pages on the web and that was a key element because of course with the web growing extremely extremely fast exponentially just like for instance the AI industry today 
it was extremely important to make sure that uh, there would be a search engine able to keep up to the amount of pages that uh, would uh, populate the web uh, without doing it manually but actually doing it with an algorithm and that was a key turning point there is another point though to, to understand in order to, for google to become viable at scale uh, google uh, had to figure out over the years the advertising machine so a model that would actually make sure that google could keep scaling of course, uh, as I explained at the beginning of this episode, and I'm going to leave in the show notes uh, this paper by Sergey uh, Brin and Lawrence Page, uh, Larry Page. Initially, they were against the advertising model, but then they figured a way to actually make it work at scale. And actually, for for four years, Google has been working extremely well. I mean, yeah, you can you could complain that uh, at certain times Google might have been pushing too many ads on top of its search, search results. But on the other side, you also uh, cannot complain about the fact that uh, Google has been a free tool for many years for billions of users uh, over time. And uh, this uh, evolution of Google as a tech product, and then as an advertising machine able to really scale the searches of users and still make sense from an economic standpoint, that was the key element of um, Google becoming the Google that we know today. On the other side, you get uh, large language models like uh, you know GPT-3 and um, conversational interface like uh, ChatGPT that uh, as uh, also an additional layer on top of what GPT-3 uh, does, which is uh, called Instruct GPT, which is a sort of model that uh, is, uh, it uses humans in the loop to actually sort of uh, fine-tune the results to make them uh, more, um, you know, less, um, you know, m- more uh, facts-oriented, even though, as I explained in a previous episode, uh, the, the main purpose of language models is not necessarily to give you back facts, but is more like to give you back something that makes sense in, and uh, is uh, it's uh, plausible um, as long as uh, its um, uh, predictions are correct when it comes to the text-to-text generation that it does. Now, the thing is, uh, how will those large language models uh, be uh, scaled up? So this is not just a technological matter, it's a matter of business modeling, distribution and the creation of a business ecosystem. Now, we may argue that uh, the, uh, the natural business model for large language models may not be advertising, but of course we cannot know for sure. It may be that they will figure out a way to also uh, push advertising on top of it since advertising has been uh, an important uh, element of the web as of today. So uh, it's uh, hard to assume that advertising is going to disappear, uh, you know, like that. It's more like most probably if they they figure out a way to actually have uh, publishers uh, in the loop when it comes to to the content which is generated by the machine and then the ChatGPT um, mechanism can actually cite the sources, can bring traffic to those publishers. Uh, imagine the case, for instance, where you actually ask uh, ChatGPT about some uh, product ideas, it comes back to you with those product ideas, then it cites uh, the sources and then it sends you back to other e-commerce marketplace. The, this might be like a, a model that works. Of course, 
we know already that the path going uh, forward advertising is a path which is made of uh, various components. First of all, an attribution machine, uh, meaning that, uh, of course, HRGPT has been able to account for the, the, the all the step of the journeys that users are taking in order to actually, uh, you know, um, uh, perform uh, various actions that lead to the conversion of the user, which is what Google has done in the past and one of the key elements that make up the, the Google advertising machine. So the attribution models that Google has created over the years. So when you plug, for instance, things like the Google Search Console or like the Google Analytics and all the other elements that um, Google uses to actually track the user journey, those are key elements to actually uh, track the conversions in the first place and therefore uh, those are uh, the things that make possible to Google to actually give a bidding value to the keywords that it sells or to the impressions that it sells on top of its advertising machine. So that's uh, point number one, meaning, you know, it's easy to say AI is not going to be driven by advertising, but, you know, just like in the early days of Google, uh, they were uh, thinking that advertising would be, would be biasing the, the search results. Right now, AI might be going... Uh, uh, toward by saying, you know, we're not going to be selling ads on top of AI, but it's very hard to say if they are able to actually build an ecosystem, a solid ecosystem where publishers are happy with what the AI is doing, developers are there, and then there is a, an ecosystem of marketers and advertisers that um, are uh, there to, to, to sell uh, um, advertising on top of those uh, language models, then they might figure out an advertising ecosystem, which is not something easy. It may take years, just to remind that to figure things out from scratch in this way, from the advertising standpoint, it may take years. Of course, if you look at the partnership between OpenAI and Microsoft, you do understand that, uh, for instance, OpenAI may be more uh, well positioned to actually understand how to uh, generate advertising revenues on top of those uh, large language models. Uh, but OpenAI might not do it um, uh, you know, on, on its own, it might instead uh, uh, enable Microsoft to, to do it through a commercial agreement where, for instance, Microsoft uh, uh, might uh, integrate uh, those uh, large language models like, uh, you know, GPT-3 into Bing or existing uh, search advertising to actually, fi actually figure out a way to create an uh, advertising ecosystem around it. So, actually, uh, of uh, looking it into advertising models for for large language models. Another possible way, of course, is, uh, is a freemium model where, of course, ChatGPT might be released uh, for free with limited resources and uh, limited capabilities and limited performance. And then you're going to get a, a, a premium model, a premium version that instead is going to get uh, way more uh, capabilities, um, resources, uh, performance and, uh, and more. It's, uh, it's uh, another option. And of course, we might assume that uh, this sort of ChatGPT might become a B2B tool for many uh, users on the web. Potentially, it might have you know millions of uh, premium users on the web. How fast it might get traction is very hard to know, and uh, whether this is a model that can scale, we'll see. But um, uh, the, the important thing here is that the freemium model is the basis because on the one side, you want to keep it free so that you can uh, keep scaling uh, from the branding perspective so that you can ge generate something which is, uh, from a consumer standpoint, as interesting as Google, while on the other side, you also uh, part, uh, part, partly close it so that uh, you can monetize and also figure out what are the most compelling cases from a business perspective. There will be another interesting model.
And of course, um, a third uh, problem model is uh, that of uh, the open source that I already explained uh, this uh, podcast series where uh, there is um, uh, you know an open source version. Uh, and right now it's quite interesting because uh, um, Stability AI um, over Twitter has um, announced uh, through its uh, CEO and co-founder that you know it might be working on a on a, a open source version of ChatGPT. In that case, just like with the, uh, what happens with the stable diffusion, you might get actually a version of um, um, you know of ChatGPT which might be open sourced. In that case, what happens is that you can still still work on uh, APIs or you can just download the open source version and run it on uh, your device or whatever device you have in a, in, a, in a customized way. And then, of course, if you want to further scale or, or service um, you know, that open source version of ChatGPT, then you can uh, you know, talk with the Stability AI core development team to do that. So those are some of the possible elements, but it's very important to understand the, the main difference of um, you know, search engines and large language models, not just from a technology standpoint, but also from a business model standpoint, by remembering that the search engines work in a completely different way. Uh, because for instance, with the search engine, you have a mechanism of um, uh, indexing, um, uh, of uh, uh, ranking, uh, that uh, is at the basis, as uh, is really the premise of um, how search engines uh, work. And, uh, you know, the, the whole ecosystem is going to be evolving. We'll see how they will be able to actually monetize the AI ecosystem, but it's going to be quite interesting to look at.